0: This episode of Women on the Rise is sponsored by The Riveter, a workspace designed for women and their advocates. Stay tuned to the end for more information about how you can join The Riveter's movement
1: and ambition. I think that that's the first time in my memory that I made the connection between what I eat and how I felt. I just, I had a lot more energy. I felt sort of, just sort of more grounded and a little Mm -hmm. less kind of... Lighty, and um, you know, I
0: just I felt really good. Welcome to Women on the Rise. I'm your host, Lara Dolch, and each week I talk to thriving women about the practical self-care strategies they use to fuel their success and pursue what's most important to them in their careers and lives. We get real about topics like healthy eating, exercise, sleep, stress, time management, happiness, and productivity, while busting myths about work-life balance and being perfect along the way. My goal each week is to uncover a new insight or practical strategy that you can immediately apply to your life to recapture your momentum, mind, body, and soul. A few years ago, a close friend and previous guest on this podcast, Minhai Alex, gifted me a cookbook, a beautiful little volume called Whole Grain Mornings. And thus began my peek into the business, creative, and cooking adventures of my guest this week. Megan Gordon is a Seattle-based writer, cookbook author, recipe developer, food blogger, and founder of Marge Granola. Megan's simple recipes for granola and whole grain pancakes are breakfast staples in my house, and her creative ideas like peach breakfast cobbler with cornmeal time biscuits, plus her love of whole, nourishing, and seasonal ingredients, keep me coming back week after week. Whole grain mornings is one of only three cookbooks that has remained in heavy rotation in my kitchen for years. In our chat today, Megan shares some hard-earned wisdom from her experience as a CEO building and selling a business, how her relationship with food changed when she made the connection between what she ate and how she felt and how she did that, a few of her favorite cookbooks for simple weeknight dinners, and lessons on maintaining a sense of self while also being a present and loving mom. We, or I, also geek out over her cookbook. Enjoy the interview. Thank you so much for, for doing this. I'm really excited to talk to you, yeah.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to talk to you too. It's a pleasure. Yeah. Well, and
0: as I was saying, we were just chit-chatting um, before we started recording. I will try not to be too much of a fangirl. I am um, a <laughs> huge fan of your cookbook, Whole Grain Mornings. And um, oh. you know, occasionally I'm poking around on your blog, although I have to admit with oh, the old school, I like the paper. <laughs>
1: Oh, I know. I love, I love paper too. I love cookbooks too. I tend to just read them like books, you know, they're totally. on my nightstands They're Yeah. Yeah. So I totally understand. I actually just ordered one to be, cause I'm also trying to support our Seattle bookstores more. And even yeah. though you can't get it instantly, you know, waited a week for this cookbook I really want and now want to pick it up today. So I, I totally get it. Yeah. Yeah. Where do you
0: buy your cookbooks here? I have a feeling I know. Well, I love I love Book Larder,
1: yes. um, and <laughs> yeah, right. and and Laura is a friend of ours, and that's just um, for those of you not in Seattle. It's it's a devoted cookbook store, um, so it's like cookbook heaven. This one I happened to order from the U Bookstore um, just because I was I was there and chatting with them, and um, so the University Bookstore is also just. A great spot and we've got a little crazy toddler and they actually have kind of a fun kid play section. So it's that's sort of sweet. like one of those mom mom wins where you can get a good coffee <laughs> and your kid's happy and you can look at cookbooks and you feel like yes. That's so, good to I like know. I
0: have to I don't yeah. know my mom friends are aware of that. Um that's that's very good to know for sure. Yeah, no, I read cookbooks <laughs> like books too. Like I like I feel like in fact I'm curious to know. Um, have you noticed that as you dig more into your work as far as recipe development and mm-hmm. writing cookbooks and stuff, that your ability to sort of imagine what things will taste like has, <laughs> has gotten better, because mm-hmm. mine certainly
1: has. Oh yeah, absolutely. And you just sort of, I think in terms of um, flavor combinations and things, you know, even just spices and herbs and things that will work together, you just, it comes, I don't want to say it comes second nature, because that would be a lie. Um, and it's still, it's still work for sure, but it, you know, you can really start putting things together much more quickly. Cause I think you just absorb, you know, you're just absorbing it more and more the more you're taking something in just like anything, you know?
0: Totally. Um,
1: yeah. So I think, I think that's true for sure.
0: Yeah and I I I asked that because I you know with a lot of my clients who I mean many of my clients already know kind of how to cook in general but a lot of them don't and a lot of them even if they are cooking they don't trust their instinct and so they yeah. get really intimidated by being in the kitchen yeah. you know so this you know it's nice to just reinforce what you're saying like it does develop over time your ability to like say that's not going to work very well together or that is totally
1: totally and you know I think more and more I don't know if this is because because I have a young child now or what the reasoning would be but more and more i love cookbooks that are just a little simpler you know i used to really get down with like a long sourdough bread project that took a total of 2 days and to, you know and now it's just like gosh these chicken thighs with panko crumbs sound great and and you know healthy and quick and i don't know i think more and more people are having a little bit of a turn and looking for you know, recipes that sound delicious and, and somewhat helpful and that they can actually make, you know? So Absolutely. I don't know.
0: I'm totally with you on that. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm yeah. a big, I'm like five ingredients or less and they need to be easy to find, <laughs> and it needs to take 30 yeah. minutes or less. Like generally speaking. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think weeknights, you know, weeknights, you just need to be realistic with yourself and give yourself some grace. You know, even, you know, kids or no kids. We all have busy lives, whether you're sitting in a commute or, you know, it's just, we live in a busy world. So I think it's good, good to be gentle on yourself in terms of dinner expectations.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't want to talk a little bit more about how that works for you as far as um, just day to day. But before we do that, I have to, just because I noticed somewhere, I don't remember where I read this, that you are like me, a breakfast junkie or that you really love breakfast. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, I do love breakfast. Tell me about that. What do you love? What do you love about breakfast? Like, I'm always curious to know the angle.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think uh, I didn't always used to love breakfast. and I used to eat yucky breakfast. Like a lot of, you know, when I was in college, I would eat. I mean, I remember, I have no idea how I'm still a vibrant human being after those four years, but you know, would get a coffee frappuccino and a sugary muffin coffee cake thing every oh, yeah. day. And it was yeah. just like of empty. Course. Oh, awful. Empty stuff, you know? <laughs> and you wonder, I mean, I didn't feel, I didn't know it at the time, but I wasn't um, feeling great. Um, and then you sort of realized, you know, in my, I you don't know, probably my mid twenties, um, you know, starting to make more of a conscious effort to eat well and noticing how food makes me feel you know and breakfast you know if I wasn't doing sugary breakfast I was just skipping breakfast altogether which also makes you feel crummy you know and so yeah I think around my mid-20s I was starting to um bake my own granola and um do some kind of savory porridge savory oatmeal things um and just realizing how you know, gosh, I actually feel awesome eating a little something in the morning. I'm not hungry until noon or one. I feel really satisfied. I have, I'm full of energy. So it's just kind of, I think, making the connection between what you eat and how you feel, which I think takes a little while. You know, maybe not for everybody. I see my younger sisters are, are making that connection earlier on. But I think for for many of us, it takes a little while to key into that. So, so yeah, now, I mean, I don't eat big breakfast. I just usually have, you know, this time of year when berries are starting to come into season, I usually do a little yogurt and a little sprinkle of granola or a little sprinkle of hemp seeds and some fresh fruit. And that makes me really happy, you know, so it doesn't need to be big, but just a little, a little something, eggs, eggs too. We eat a lot of eggs in this house for protein. Um, so yeah. And again, you know, nothing fancy my cookbook. Um, I wanted it to be really useful for folks. Again, um, I think A lot of the breakfast books out there are really occasion-based and focus on brunch and, you know, kind of bridal showers and fancy breakfast occasions. And I just wanted to write a book where there were recipes you could actually make on an average Wednesday, you know. So, yeah, we split it up into, see, it's been a while since I've looked at the categories, but I think it's busy weekdays, slow Sundays, and brunch. Um, So there are sections where you can actually really... um, make it a useful text for yourself and flip and say, okay, I've got, you know, 20 minutes on a Tuesday morning, what can I make from this cookbook? So just being realistic with yourself again.
0: Well, and I love, there's so many things packed in there. I mean, one is, you know, what you're saying about just sort of making that connection between food and how you feel um, physically and also, you know, mood. And that's, I think to your point, it does take time to develop for a lot of people. And that's something that I work with clients on a lot because a lot of, people in general were never taught that, you know, it just didn't, it didn't, you stumbled upon it naturally, which is great. Um, but many people just never do. So just asking you a little bit more about that experience, like what Mm -hmm. was the trigger? I mean, was it literally just, I need to start eating better or what prompted you to start making those choices?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I was a, I was a vegetarian for a long time, for almost 15 years, all through, um, college and my early 20s, most of my teens and my early 20s. And I was also just healthy. I I ran marathons and um, I was a distance runner. And um, all of that aside, my, you know, whenever I get a physical, the doctor was like, God, your blood sugar is really just, Out of control, and you're there were just a few a few kind of little triggery warning things that we just couldn't get a hold of, and he was like, you know, and I and I was extremely anemic, and so he said, you know, if he talked to me a little bit about the vegetarian stuff, and said, you know, if it's I don't know where you're standing, you know, morality wise, or what's what's going on with that decision, but if you're willing to try to incorporate a little bit of meat, I have a a feeling you'd feel a lot better. And I think that that's the first time in my memory that I made the connection between what I eat and how I felt because I it was pretty instantaneous. I mean, it was within a few days where I just, I had a lot more energy. I felt sort of just, I'm not sure how to describe it, just, just sort of more grounded and a little less kind of flighty And, um, you know, I just, I felt really good. And and that was, I think, the first time in my memory that I made a connection to, okay, eating a little more protein. You know, I needed, obviously, some complete protein here that I wasn't getting elsewhere. And, and I feel really great. And I wasn't overweight. I mean, I wasn't, I was. I've always had an athletic build, um, but without moving a muscle or doing anything, I just dropped ten pounds, and the blood sugar stuff went away, and the anemia went away, and so it was a good, a good little transition, and um, that probably kicked off my awareness to how food was making my body feel. And I would say right around that time, I started making more of an effort to eat breakfast and started baking my own. Granola, which we can talk about later if you want. (laughs) Um, Yes, I always want to talk about granola. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) yeah. I was noticing a lot of the. I love granola, and I've always loved granola. But I I was noticing a lot of the granola on store shelves was just so full of sugar, and still is. You know, if you look at the sugar grams on so many cereals, it's sort of astonishing. It's like a brownie in the morning, and I love I love brownies. Don't get me wrong, but you know, (laughs) not at not at eight AM. And so I started baking my own. It was really naturally low in sugar and eventually started my own granola company, which is really another story or conversation that we could certainly have. But so yeah, that was a very long-winded answer to to your question, but sort of two prongs, the vegetarian pivot, and then really making that deliberate attempt and effort to eat breakfast that was low in sugar and high in protein.
0: Yeah. And I think the key, I mean, just as it, just from my perspective, professionally as a coach, the key is that you were willing to experiment to figure it out. Yeah,
1: totally. You know, you don't know
0: until you, you make that connection and then you say, okay, well, I'm going to try this and see how I feel. And that's ultimately how you figure, you know, figure it all out. And actually one of the, one of the tools that I have, a lot of my clients do right off the bat is called the breakfast experiment. And it's exactly what it Mm. sounds like, you know, where you eat something different for breakfast, you know, five days in a row and you sort of figure out how, you know, write down how you feel just after and how you feel again, two hours later, and you make a, an effort to have sort of a mix of
1: carb heavy that's and awesome.
0: heavy options and just sort of see, yeah, which is essentially what you did.
1: Yeah. That's so great. Cause that little tiny change can lead to noticeable bigger changes for sure. So I think that's awesome that you have people start with that. Well, and maybe it's because
0: I'm obsessed with breakfast, but you know, whatever. I, yeah. I, I <laughs>
1: It Either just, way. <laughs> it is
0: what it is, right? And I, I've always loved breakfast and, and um that's yeah, it is one of the reasons that I that I love your cookbook for sure. So, oh, you know, you've done you. a lot of things professionally, you know, your blog, mm-hmm. your uh, Marge Granola, your business, your cookbook, you know, copywriting, recipe mm-hmm. development and small business consulting. What's
1: what's your favorite thing
0: to do for work so far? Like if you had to pick your favorite?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I mean I loved writing the cookbook because I you know I'm a creative person and and I really got to have a lot of say with sort of the vision and the creation of it. They gave me a lot of a lot of room there. And that was just me with an idea of making something come to life which you know many of us don't get a lot of opportunity to do that. So I feel, you know, a lot of my colleagues liken writing a cookbook or a book to, you know, having a baby, bringing it, it's like your cookbook, baby, bringing it into the world. But I really do feel really proud of it. And that I, you know, I think a lot of things we do professionally, maybe you didn't quite put your all in it, or maybe your your heart wasn't in it. So you just sort of neither here nor there, but I just put everything into that book. So I feel really, really passionate about it. I think today, I love small business consulting. I started my granola company in 2010, and I sold it this past October. And I learned so much. And so many other things that I learned if I had known, of course, everybody says this, but if I had known in year one and year two, things sure would have been a lot easier. <laughs> would have been fewer sleepless nights. So I just love you know, meeting with business owners who are at that beginning stage and you know, whether they're business planning or trying to figure out what the heck to do with their social media, trying to figure out packaging, which if, if it's a food company, packaging is a real hurdle. And generally speaking, you know, ninety nine percent of the time they just have this really contagious passion and energy that not to sound like a, you know, old burned out lady. But I, I remember <laughs> having that. You know, I, I was burned out by the time I sold my business, unfortunately. But you know, I just love seeing that glint in the eye and that passion and excitement and kind of helping foster people to the next, to the next step. And I think I'm good at it. And I think all of us like to, you know, things that we feel good at, it's nice to do. And I, um, yeah, so so that's where I'm landing there. I have a couple clients now and I do um, some in-person stuff. I like, I like meeting in person much better, but some of it, you know, in this age that we live in can, You know, a lot of it's done over the phone if folks aren't local or can just be done over email. So that's, that's one of my favorite things to do right now is just to really share my experience and expertise um, with small business ownership and getting people kind of helping people get off the ground. Yeah. Well, and I'm not
0: surprised to hear that your cookbook is sort of, you know, a pinnacle of your experience too, because it's very clear that so much of you went into this book. It's a very personal, which is a strange thing to say about a cookbook, right? I mean, it's a very personal book. Yeah,
1: yeah. Totally, I know. I didn't. I didn't want to write just you know. There's a lot of just generic cookbooks without a point of view, and they serve a purpose, right? If you're looking for an eggs Benedict recipe, you just you know you need to whip up some eggs Benedict quick, and you open, you know, I can't even think of a good example, but for some reason Martha Stewart's coming to mind. But I (laughs) I like Martha Stewart, so I don't want to bag on Martha Stewart, but you know, sort of a, a slightly more generic, you know, breakfast book or cookbook um mm. that, that doesn't have a distinct point of view. And the cookbooks that I love right now that I'm just so jagged by are the cookbooks that are coming out with just a real voice that Allison Roman's relatively new book that folks are really loving for a good reason. Gosh, what's it? I'm spacing out on the name. Uh Dining In. What's it called? It's called Dining In. Dining In. Got it. Yeah, If there's any listeners who are, you know, who follow food Instagram accounts, you might have seen her cookies on Instagram. Everyone in the world is making these cookies and Instagramming them. (laughs) But, you know, her. there's there's one way to describe an egg Benedict recipe quickly. You know, recipe writers, we have this thing called head notes, which are those, you know, few lines right before you get to the recipe that, you know, generally just quickly describe the recipe and move on. But the cookbook writers I love right now are using that space to just be their true irreverent selves, and you know, tell a story, and you really just get to know them right away, get a peek and an angle into the recipe and why they love it, and you want to, you want to make that eggs benedict recipe infinitely more than you want to just make the generic one you would Google. So, so yeah, there's another book called Repertoire. That is by Jessica. I don't know how to pronounce her last name, so I'm I'm hesitant to butcher it. But Jessica Batalanya I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's another great example of someone with just um, a really distinct, awesome voice in her cookbook. So, anyway, if someone is looking for my two cookbook recommendations right now, those would be the ones.
0: That's awesome. I'm jotting them down right now. I'll put the I'll put them in the show notes for sure. Yeah,
1: yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. They're both they're, they're they're good. Great, great, awesome ladies. Good writers.
0: Very cool. Hi there, it's Lara here. Wanted to take a quick break from the interview to invite you to something. So if you don't know much about me, I'm a personal development and lifestyle coach. I work with women on the rise who want more from their work, life, and body. I'm best known for helping women executives and business owners recapture their vibrant health, momentum, and personal power after five, 10, 15 years of putting everything and everyone on their list but themselves. They say they feel tired, lazy, lacking in confidence, and they're over it. They often come to me around the time of a big life transition, like starting a business, changing careers, celebrating a big birthday, having kids, getting a divorce, or becoming an empty nester. Since 2011, I've helped these women find the courage and confidence to tackle big personal goals, to ask for the promotion and get it. Quit energy draining work and personal commitments without guilt launch successful businesses, travel solo to Tibet, lose weight with flexibility and fun instead of restriction and deprivation, start dating again, run their first 5K or marathon, nail the presentation at the corporate retreat and hundreds of other life-changing accomplishments. Together, we bring the focus back to mind and body and form new habits that allow you to reclaim your health, happiness, and power so you can make lasting changes and achieve your big dreams in business and in life. If that sounds like something you could use, I invite you to schedule a no-commitment discovery call with me to explore working together. Visit laradolch.com/discovery to find a time that works for you. That's laradolch.com/discovery. I'll talk to you soon. Yeah. And just, you know, going back to your, you know, small business consulting and also just building a business, you know, I saw in an interview somewhere, um, Oh, uh, with Brit and company, the, um, and co rather, you talked about sort of the importance of cultivating relationships and how that, you know, helped you build Marge Granola specifically. Can you talk a little bit about how to balance that building relationships, Mm -hmm. that kind of personal attention with the demands of being a CEO? Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, it's tough for sure. It was the one thing that I knew was behind the success of my business. And so while it certainly took longer for me to personally reach out to our vendors and check on how things were going to let them know about a seasonal special we were doing, to do a little digging and find out why they hadn't ordered in a month. Was there something I should know? What's going on? How can we help support you? oftentimes that would mean maybe waiving a shipping fee to, you know, give them a little nudge to get some granola on the shelves. Oftentimes it would mean me heading over in person, you know, obviously if they were local, to check things out, to see um, where the granola was placed on the shelf. You know, the, the products that are at the very bottom of the shelf by your feet, you don't think about this as a shopper at the grocery store, but those, that's not the granola you're buying. <laughs> yeah. You're buying, you know, you're, you're either buying the brand that you're very loyal to, in which case you'll suss it out at the store. But oftentimes, people are kind of browsing and you look at the little sale tags. Maybe there's something on sale that you're interested in. You look at kind of, I'll you know, try a new flavor. this. And um, it's generally right around eye level. You know, eye level, right? Right kind of where you see it. And so whenever our product was down really low or up really high, I would try and have conversations with the buyers and just, you know, say, hey, Matt, you know love to see what we can do about getting this granola moved, you know, can I come in and, and do a demo for you guys and we'll do some sampling and get people psyched about it. And maybe we can, you know, get the granola moved move down a little bit here so people can really see it. And so I think that, you know, in all honesty, you've really got to make the connection with vendors and customers that way. And I did that in the early days at the farmer's market, just really getting to know our customers. And then the later days it morphed when I stopped doing markets to really connecting with our, our vendors. And to your question, I mean, I think it is really hard and it probably in truth was one of the reasons we were growing so slowly. If I had stepped away from doing some of that and focused on a little more aggressive growth, we probably would have grown more quickly and revenue probably would have been a little greater. So, you know, that's one, it's always, you know, in hindsight, <laughs> you're able to sort of see things, someone just reached out to me for advice the other day, actually one of our vendors, I won't, maybe I won't say which one just to not call her out personally, but I was asking some advice that they were looking to grow their wholesale accounts. And, you know, they had reached this this point where they didn't know what else to do. They'd grown it as much as they could. And what should they do? What did we do at this point? And, you know, I just wrote back and said, money, <laughs> you know, it's time for, and that's, and that's what happened with our business. You know, I had grown it as, as much as, as I could, and we reached a point where it, it was time to, to get a little help. So for me, the, without the relationships there, there wouldn't have been a point to the business. I was never, and will never be interested in, in kind of just running a company without having a connection to the, to the customers and the people that you're reaching. So, yeah. yeah. And I think that, I think that might mean inevitably a smaller business. I in truth don't don't know the answer to that. I mean, I think there are larger businesses with awesome CEOs who probably feel like they have still a real connection to their customer base and that's awesome. Probably helps by or at least I was gonna say probably helps by social media or at least we, you know, superficially feel like we're (laughs) like we're connected more. You know, I don't know that we're really connected more, but more visible anyway, you know.
0: Right. No, I think you're right. I think it's tricky. I mean, especially when you're, you're a people person and you enjoy having those relationships and yeah, maybe you sacrifice faster growth, but at the end of the day, mm-hmm. you know, it's a, a decision that you, that you have to make It's, you know, when it's your company. So, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, turning back to the personal a little bit, I'm curious to know what being well means to you at this point in your life. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, <laughs> can you tell i used to be a teacher i always whenever i do whenever i'm on you know tv shows or any kind of media i i that's like my you know all of us have a little pick for some people they do a lot of like um and i always really affirm people's questions and i actually try not (laughs) try not to do it because it's you know starts to sound weird when you do but i you know it's like the like the ex-english teacher in me i'm like that is a really great question (laughs) so um I think, you know, will you repeat the question actually now that we've Yeah, that no we've, worries. No, uh, I was just asking
0: <laughs> what being well means to you because it, I think the yes. idea of wellness changes for people yeah. over the course of their life. And so, you know, at this yeah. point time, like what does that look like for you?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I I hate I think the word balance is become a bit of a cliche in our, our culture. Um mm-hmm. I think after having our son, which he's two and a half, I didn't realize the extent to which I needed alone time and I think about this a lot because it's not maybe the most popular sentiment you know you have a baby and everyone is you know our our culture is oh it's a baby and you know and and of course relatives and my own mom who you know maybe won't listen to this so maybe I can be really honest about my mom um but (laughs) you know, whenever I sort of mention that, gosh, I really need a break, you know, I need to do something for myself, I need to get away. I, I, I was away this weekend, my husband is so great about just carving out space and just, you know, yeah, go do, do what you need to do, clear your head. But it doesn't, uh, you know, maybe, it's, I don't know if it's generational, I, I haven't quite figured it out yet. But it, it definitely doesn't seem to be a super popular sentiment to kind of voice that you need space from your kids. Um, and that's, for me kind of wellness is really i need exercise i need uh that's that's a huge part of my sort of self-care regimen and and where i find that sense of balance and then i need a little space in my own head and when you've got a toddler at home there is there zero room for that so i i have to kind of literally leave <laughs> so i um I do that every, you know, maybe three, not not often, but every three or four months, I'll just go for a weekend and just get a couple days by myself. I don't want to be with friends. I don't, I just want to be alone. And generally, you know, everyone's always curious what I do. And I, <laughs> you know, I usually read and take walks and just am, am sort of quiet and let that sort of space in my mind expand and fill up a little bit more because it's just, you know, having having kids. It's, I think I'm. I'm also a Pretty high functioning introvert. You would never, if, if we hung out in person or I was at a party, you would never peg me as that probably. But I I really am am pretty zonked by a lot of social activity, so I need I need a little space. So, yeah, I think having having the time and the space in my schedule to take a couple of days every you know three or four months to just decompress has a lot to do with wellness for me and then in the interim exercise is really huge just being able to kind of move move energy as woo-woo as that sounds I know but it's okay I, I got you a little know, for, woo-woo in me too I get it oh good okay yeah yeah it's just I you we know you gotta move some here. energy yeah you're just otherwise you're just sitting in your desk chair and things are not good you know so you gotta move move, move, move. Um, Yeah. So I think, you know, in the interim diet is important to me. We we eat pretty well with the exception of some treats. I do, I do love a treat and then exercise would be my answer to that.
0: Well, and I love that you take that time for yourself. And I think that you, I, I, I think I hope that you just gave a lot of mom's permission to do the same thing because, you know, yeah. I'm not a mother. Um, It wasn't something that I, that I ever wanted, but I have a lot yeah. of clients and friends who are mothers and my, you know, I have nephews, my sister's mother and
1: mm-hmm, it's, um, mm-hmm.
0: I, it must be really difficult. And I do think you're right. I think it's, there's this guilt that comes from, well, no, wait, yeah. mom needs some space too. But you know, I, I think you would probably agree that it, you know, and this sounds cliche too, but that it does actually make you a better mother <laughs> to have
1: some space. It does. Yeah. Absolutely. And to just be able to fill up with other things that make you happy and make you feel really grounded and then come back and be a better partner and a better mom and more excited. And, you know, I'm in this trip, I was just away. It was a little more of a press trip, actually. So it wasn't all relaxation, but there was some good relaxation. It was just, you know, I was just so excited, actually, to get home. And by trying to find little souvenirs for my guys and just, you know, you just, you feel, I don't know, you feel ready to hop back in with two feet, you know, and and ready to take on the day versus sort of like, okay. So so yeah, I think moms out there that are listening, it's it's okay to feel like you need a break from your kids. They're really exhausting and they're they're really cute and i you know, and that's great, but it's good to take time for yourself too. And I, I lead a parents group actually every Wednesday night and last week we talked about self care and we were talking about something very, you know, something very similar, how to kind of find some space for yourself. You know, I did really want to make a point with them and and hear too that it doesn't have to be, you know, a grand Spa day, you know, that would be great. Sure. But that's hard for many people for a lot of reasons. It's expensive. It's hard to get away for a whole day. It's, you know, it can just be like, I remember my best memories when my kid was a newborn, just sneaking away. You know, my husband watched the baby. I would go to my favorite bakery, get a cookie sit in the car all by myself, eat my damn cookie. And I was just, I mean, and that's that can be, that is self-care too, you know, taking 20 minutes to just sit alone in your car and eat a cookie, that that counts. So it doesn't need to be just a really grand, uh, grand gesture. It can be a really small, just taking a walk around the block and noticing the gardens. Like that's, that you know, if that does it for you, that might not do it for you, you know, but it can be something really small too. And I think those little small things that we do each day really add up to, to big stuff. So I always encourage new moms, but anyone, it's not a mom thing. Any, we all need this um, to just do something really small for yourself every day. And that really compounds and, and makes a big difference.
0: Yeah. No, I couldn't agree more. It's a, it's a challenge. You know, I think with what I see, at least with high achieving women is that, you know, yeah, that, that grand plan that you're talking about, that's usually the default, right. When it comes to, you know, self-care because it's often the way that we've achieved other things. And to your point, the, the more long lasting way to do it is to, to look at the small things that you can do thinking about those small things, you know, what else yeah. is sort of vital for you and your day-to-day self-care? Like, what would you say are your maybe top three um, things mm-hmm. you can't live without, whether they're, you know, mm-hmm. products or habits or mindsets or people or whatever?
1: Yeah, I, um, I have started using a meditation app that I love. And I was very hesitant to join the meditation app train only because I can be a little frugal sometimes. And, you know, I don't like paying for apps. (laughs) Um, But I also sort of felt like, I mean, it's, it's in a way sort of the opposite of Meditation is using an app, right? Like, come on, can't I just sit with my thoughts? But <laughs> I just do it. Turns out, it's actually, yeah. It turns out the answer to that is no. I can't just sit with my thoughts, and uh, you know, the problem is my thoughts just take over. So, I started using this app called Calm, and there's a bunch of them. There's, I know some people use Headspace. There's some that are free that are supposed to be great, and I really try. I don't know why it's so hard to carve out ten minutes a day to do this. It's mind boggling because if you really were floating above your house and looking as you know, a third party at yourself and what you do throughout the day of the million ways you waste ten minutes a day is, you know, <laughs> I've already wasted like four slaps of ten minutes this morning doing, you know, random house things and um, so it's hard to find the time, but I make a real effort. And the nice thing about this app is it sends little kind of reminders as the day goes on, gentle reminders that, you know, you it might be a good time to sit down. And so I try to do that when I'm on the go. I'll even do it in the car. For some reason, I'm not super comfortable doing it in public. I love the idea of just going and sitting at the lake and and just closing my eyes. And I should just really get over myself and, and do it. But I generally, I work from home. So I'm generally home and uh, take a moment each day to meditate. And I think exercise, as I mentioned, is, is probably my biggest self-care in my toolkit. And I used to be a a long distance runner, as I mentioned in the marathon runner, and I'm not so much anymore, but I love going on long walks. And there's a, there's a bar studio here in town that I love going to and just doing things that sort of challenge me. So so, yeah, exercise, meditation, let's see, three things. Uh, <laughs> I mean, in terms of self-care, I'm going to honestly say chocolate. I, I really am all about balancing Absolutely. a lot of that movement with a, with a little treat. And I love in the evenings, you know, I've tried to kind of step away from alcohol just, you know, and thinking about how things make me feel. I kind of realized like why, I don't know, it, it probably means I'm getting old, but wine just doesn't make me feel great.
0: Yeah. I, that's so we've, funny. I guess, I've been having the same experience lately. I'm totally with you. Maybe it is an age thing, but yeah, yeah, it's just not worth it anymore.
1: No, I don't feel great. Yeah. And we used to, you know, my husband and I love cocktails and it's kind of a, a part of our social scene, getting together with friends and having a drink or having a glass of wine. So it's a little weird, but yeah, I've been kind of trying to step away. We've, we haven't been really doing wine at home or cocktails. So my evening treat is often like a little, you know, just a little bit of chocolate. And for me, that's self care too. Having a little treat in the evening is is nice. So, what's your favorite so kind of chocolate? My, what brand? Oh, gosh, you know, my husband just bought me this one for Mother's Day. It's called it's so this is not cheap. This is a special treat chocolate, but it's called Antidote. Oh yeah, and they're based
0: in um, Long Island City, New York, which is in New York City, which is where Yeah, they I, are. I actually know the founder? Yeah.
1: <laughs> oh, cool! I had never heard of it until Mother's Day, and it is yeah. so good. Yeah, yeah. It's good. And I think, you know, I think for everyday chocolate, um, I really like you know yeah, here in too. Seattle and, you know, but you can get them anywhere. And I, I think it's great everyday chocolate. You know, it's not the best you'll ever have, but it's accessible. And I think it's, I think it's great. I've started to be more of a milk chocolate girl. I think this is a disappointment to my husband and many of my friends, <laughs> a little, you know, I, I think dark chocolate is, is, is definitely a little healthier and it's you know a little a little more refined in taste and i was just really honest with myself about a year ago it's like you know i like milk chocolate better i'm just gonna put that out there and you guys need to nothing wrong with that that's great (laughs) yeah that's great i love it yeah love
0: it yeah yeah so what's next for you megan what are you excited about
1: yeah um you know I'm going to answer that question totally honestly. I was thinking of kind of not answering honestly, but I'm, I'm going to answer honestly. Um, <laughs> Good. <laughs> and then I was thinking like, gosh, if I start to go down the dishonest route. This could be like a weird... Usually when I lie, I end up like creating this elaborate story that is really just sounds crazy. So um, what is next for me? You know, I have worked for myself for almost 10 years and it has pros and cons like anything but i am at a phase in my life where i'm really excited for a little more stability and all of the flexibility and creativity that working for myself, you know, has has afforded me. You know, we have we have a family now and we aren't 23 anymore and i'm excited for some health benefits and some 401k action and a little more stability. So so I'm starting an interview around Seattle and just thinking about joining a joining a company where I can kind of bring some of the lessons that I've learned from owning my own business and some of the creative juice that I love in the food work that I do and, and hoping to find a good fit there, which does not mean I will not do another cookbook or that I will give up the blog or any of those things because I will I'm a really I'm a creator at heart. And so I I can't imagine the day I would give up the blog. That would be heartbreaking. So it does not mean that and I'm I'm pretty confident I I will do another cookbook um, or another book for sure so it doesn't mean letting those projects go but I have a, a friend Tara Austin Weaver she's a writer here in Seattle and she once said something really wise to me we were going on a walk and she's also she's a freelance writer and she said something about how exhausting putting in all the work to find the work is and I think that that I've reached a place where that really resonates for me. You know, I hustle to find work and and I don't think it's super conducive to, to maybe my my personality or at least where I am right now. So I'm excited to kind of settle settle in a little bit, find some stability and work on the creative projects that I really love. Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah.
0: that's exciting. Yeah. Thank
1: you for sharing that. And you know, lucky
0: Seattle company somewhere, like whoever's listening, who's looking for Oh, sugar,
1: thank you. You
0: know. Sugar, <laughs> sugar. Yeah. <laughs> you. That's exciting. Thank yeah, you. so, you know, in the meantime, where can people
1: learn more about you and your work? Yeah, I um I blog over at a sweetspoonful.com. It's vegetarian, lard, a lot of whole grain, a lot of low sugar baking, seasonal cooking. I also am a contributor over at the Oxo blog, so I write a lot if there's there's any moms out there, I do some Uh, a lot of motherhood content for them and I've been doing a lot of recipe work over at Simply Recipes so I love Simply Recipes they're a great site for the home cook and I've been doing a lot of allergen-free recipes for them so if there's any folks out there who have dietary restrictions we've been doing some killer desserts that are gluten-free and dairy-free and nut-free and free of all the things really but still delicious so so you can find me over there
0: (laughs) too. awesome thank you so much for your time megan this was really fun
1: oh good i so enjoy it this is my first ever podcast so thank you for your patience with me i had a great time
0: i feel yeah (laughs) thank you no really that that's i'm I'm glad that i that i could uh could break you in
1: (laughs) yeah thank you
0: That's it for this week's episode of Women on the Rise. Visit lauradolch.com slash podcast for show notes and resources mentioned in this episode. You can download other episodes of this podcast and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. If you liked what you heard, please rate and review the podcast. It really helps me out. This episode was produced by me with editing help from Dave Nelson at Lens Group Media. Tune in every week for new interviews that give you the practical tools you need to recapture your momentum, mind, body, and soul. The Riveter is a women forward workspace designed for community work and wellness, not just a desk and a co-working space. The Riveter is a transformative movement for all women and their advocates to invite ambition. The Riveter provides the support resources and amenities to build successful businesses. Their members are entrepreneurs, remote workers, consultants, and everyone in between. They even have a community membership plan that provides access to professional development and fitness programming without the desk. The Riveter now has two locations in Seattle's Capitol Hill and Fremont neighborhoods. And the third location in West LA with more locations coming soon. If you're interested, visit info.theriveter.co, that's C-O slash women on the rise for a special offer for women on the rise listeners. That's info.theriveter.co slash women on the rise.